0: Welcome back, thank you for joining us today. My name is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. I can't thank you guys enough for supporting me in this. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Veracity Networks. Thank you for believing in me. And I'd also like to thank Paul Cardall for this beautiful music that he's allowed me to play at the beginning and the end of uh, this belief cast. And I wanna thank all my guests who have been on here. They're fantastic, they're amazing. And I can't thank them enough. Today's going to be no different. We have an amazing person today. Her name's Julie Lee. Thanks for joining us, Julie.
1: Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah,
0: I'm excited to have you on. I can't wait for our listeners to hear your story. Let me give you a little background on Julie. She is best known for her genuine nature as a speaker, author, podcaster, and friend. Uh, she speaks about, and you know, frankly and boldly about some psychological battles that she has fought, and we're going to get to, to know more about that. Um, she just came out with a book called I See You, How Compassion and Connection Saves Lives. And then she also has her podcast, which we just mentioned, but it's called I See You as well. And I'm excited to find out why you name it that. And uh, she's married. She has two uh, amazing children. And just she is a woman who was highly recommended to me to have on the show because of all the great things she's doing in this world. And we need more of, of that. And I'm just grateful that we get to spend some time together, Julie, and to hear all these amazing things that you're doing. So, thanks for being here. <laughs>
1: yeah, there's a special feeling in your office. I already feel I feel teary just sitting here. Just oh, wow. I can tell special conversations happen here. And Thank you. Feels really warm and comfortable here. i yeah. happy to be here.
0: You know, I've heard that before, and that actually makes me feel really good because that's what I hope people would feel—that they feel safe, that they feel like they can open up and be vulnerable, and uh, I just. What I love about doing these podcasts like this, and I I know you can relate, is the connection you end up feeling with the person and and knowing that this is gonna help so many people.
1: Totally. Well, and it helps. I mean, it does help that you have Diet Coke right behind you. You know, you have like cold <laughs> yes. sodas just sitting right by. It's, just, it's yeah. just like comfortable and nice here. It's good. All the good things. All the good, good things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll crack one open maybe at the end. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what? why don't we start with, just give us some background on where you grew up and kind of about your childhood and your family life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Springville, Utah most of my life. I'm six of seven children. Wow, big family. Big family, (laughs) yep, big family. That's awesome. And we had a lot of good memories as a kid. As a kid, we uh, did a lot of camping, and um, I loved having siblings. We also experienced a lot of heartache. My father was diagnosed with bipolar when I was about three years old, and there was a lot of pain and shame around that growing up. And it's certainly been something that has, was not dealt with in my life until I became an adult and and started struggling myself. Um, But I had parents who loved their kids and who really, really tried. And also, there was a lot of pain and suffering and trauma that went on for me. Um, Yeah, and then I, I went on and I got a degree at BYU, met my husband, got married, and we have two beautiful children, so we've moved, we've been around a few different places. We lived in Indiana for a while while my husband went to grad school at Notre Dame, and we did an internship in Houston, Texas, and I don't know, we probably moved about nine times, and now we just built a home here in Spanish Fork, Utah, and my husband works for Qualtrics, and I do my speaking and writing stuff, and we're just real happy to be here. So. Yeah,
0: no, that's really cool. So you said you were three years old when your your father was diagnosed with bipolar. Uh-huh. So, I mean, obviously, people who have that it's 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 a tough thing. It's a it's a it's a, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's it's like the up and down things are good, things are horrible, and you feel the brunt of that. And you mentioned that you went through some tough times. Do you mind sharing some of those tough times and like what that was like trying to deal with that and maybe even watch your mom trying to deal with him and how he handled it and all that? I I know that's a difficult thing.
1: Definitely. And I will say, for everybody, this looks different on every human being. Yeah. So my experience was watching a father who definitely trended towards the depression side more than anything else so if you have like a sliding scale Uh his was definitely on the down so his mania was not as high if that makes sense sure but the depressive episodes were quite relentless Mm. I think some of the hardest um most pivotal moments that I remember very clearly as a child I think because they were just so shocking and I couldn't make sense of them although it was my normal yeah uh, there was a time when I came home from kindergarten when I was five years old and found my dad on the bed uh, completely still, staring at the ceiling, not blinking. Uh, And he he was catatonic, which is something that can happen when you are so severely depressed. um, You don't move. Yeah. And you're breathing, you're alive, but you are in a completely different state. Uh, That was pretty shocking to walk into as a five-year-old. And I know it was because I have so few memories at that age, but that is one that I remember like the back of my hand. So there was something in my brain that obviously could not make sense of what was going on. Sure, You know, I have a sister who was 10. uh, And so it was a different experience for her being 10 years old. And she talks about, you know, like pounding my dad's chest and begging him to wake up and she thought he was dead. I mean, so we all, we all have our different Takes our different stories and all me and all of my siblings have a different story about it And so I try to be real careful to just yeah, say what was my story? What you yeah, what what was my experience and it was different because I was really young and so it was also my normal I never saw my dad before he was diagnosed and got sick Um, And so that was all I knew all you knew yeah. and I did see him work really hard to stay here to stay in his body and yeah, my mom certainly suffered as well. There were obviously times that were great and there were times that were very, very challenging. And she is a very strong, strong woman. And my dad is strong for, for staying here when everything in, you know, in him wanted to leave. Yeah. And I, I honor them both for those choices.
0: For sure. How did, uh, you know, you said you're six of seven children. How did that play a part? did, did, You guys kind of rallied together as siblings during some of these difficult times. Did you feel like that brought you guys closer or were you still too young to maybe not notice those kind of things?
1: I think it certainly brought us closer. While we haven't agreed on everything, I feel such an intense bond with my siblings. You know, my order being number six, I just wanted everyone to like me. (laughs) I I just wanted like my older (laughs) siblings to give me attention, right? Right. Uh, But no, I definitely think there was a lot of mothering that happened specifically from the oldest, my oldest sister, who I think really took it upon herself to try and take care of her siblings. And yeah, I have some really fond memories with my siblings growing up. and, And I think that a lot of what we went through as a family and specifically us siblings has created a really intense bond that we still share today and like i said it doesn't mean we see everything the same we don't even necessarily see certain memories the same we have different perspectives on what meaning that holds in our lives there's some of us that like to talk about it there's some that don't really want to talk about it but we all you know we did that together and that's created a bond that can't be broken
0: yeah i've noticed that with i love how you keep saying well. I'm careful to make sure I'm sharing what my, how I, my perception of what was happening because someone else's is gonna be different. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good because you're showing respect for someone else because they saw it differently. And again, based on ages too, and how we, you know, interpret and take in information and all that stuff. But I think that's important because, you know, it would be easy to go, well, no, this is how it was. And it's like, no, and then it ends up sometimes putting a wedge between us. So it's good to hear that you said, it seems like it's kind of bonded you guys closer together.
1: Yeah, I think so. And and I think there's been some trial and error in that. Yeah, I sure. I think that there have been times <laughs> yeah. when I could have handled things better. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for me, it's been tricky being more in a public spotlight about things. You know, there are things that I have shared that have been painful. And there are, yeah. I have had to be very careful and very conscious of why I share what I do and making sure it is never for a shock and awe or it, but it is only to be helpful. Um, and that it does stay in my story. And of course, sometimes our stories overlap with each other and there has to be some grace in that, I think, but yeah, I deeply respect every member of my family. And I think that all of us are, are making really meaningful lives. I'm really proud of my siblings and where we've all come from.
0: That's awesome. That's so cool. Well, you mentioned, we mentioned earlier that, uh, you've been through some of your own psychological battles that you have fought inside. Do you, do you mind sharing some of those and kind of what, when that started and what that looked like for you?
1: Yeah. So just to give you an idea, uh, when I first started dating my husband, I was 19 years old, my second year of college And I very quickly uh, interrogated him about if he had any mental (laughs) health history right? because I was like, so I'm done with that. Um, I saw that growing up. That will not be a part of my future home. So I got to know now because we got to cut this thing off if there's any issues there. And lucky for him, there was not. (laughs) He was like, oh, I don't know. I have other issues. That's not one (laughs) of them. But um, excuse me. So we got married. That wasn't the only qualification, but that was a good one. Right. Um, no, it's, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> we got married. And about a year and a half into our marriage, I was actually doing a student teaching experience in Houston, Texas through my school. And I was working with a really toxic mentor teacher, and I mean, mm. you can probably you can tell I'm a really extroverted, bubbly, happy person, sure, hard yeah. worker, absolutely, very driven. And I was not used to having mentors and people like in that authority position not like me. I'd, my professors loved me. I'd worked at schools, yeah. And in the student teaching experience, I felt like I could not, I could not get this woman to like me. Mm. I remember, t- and and this was an inner city school. There were dead dogs in the street. Lots of it was oh, a wow. hard place and i think that there were teachers there that it was a really easy to get hard in there but this specific mentor teacher was just very challenging for me and i worked and worked and worked myself into the ground and in five weeks i had my first panic attack okay and i think you need the context of my childhood upbringing to understand what that meant for me right because i had had exposure to that and what i saw was very miserable and very scary and very hopeless uh, as hard as my dad tried he was struggling at a time when we were not open about these kind of things right as a society as a culture uh it was something that w- felt very secretive in my family at least from my perspective right and when this happened to me i mean I talk about how I interrogated my husband. Never in like my worst nightmare would I have imagined it would happen to it me. Happen to you? Yeah. And I think I've had siblings confirm that, where they look at all of us and they think of all of us, you were the one that we would have least suspected to ever have any issues like that. Yeah. And I felt like my life was over. Really? Oh yeah. And and we did this dance all through. I can say my 20s because I just turned 30 in May. <laughs> but all through my 20s, on and off medication, in and out of therapy. Uh, I finally got into a really good childhood trauma therapist that helped, you know, cause it's like, I'd start going to therapy over what happened at student teaching. And it was just like, there yeah. wasn't really anywhere to go with it. I, yeah. I was like, I don't really know, you know, like, and it wasn't until I went into a therapist who happened to specialize in childhood trauma that she started yeah. picking up on things that I didn't want to talk about. Right, And she started really, you know, I remember her specifically saying to me, I know how much you love your parents. Can we just talk about it and after everything you say please don't say but i love my 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 mom and dad (laughs) so much they're the best people in the world you know she's like i got it i i know you do can can you just tell me what happened that's all right and it was really scary to open up that pain yeah um and it took a lot of work but even then it was like okay well this is something i can get over though because you know they say, it was, she said my symptoms reminded her of like a PTSD-like symptoms. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, that's something that people work through, though. So yeah. surely, you know, and so, of course, then I tried to get off medication again three summers ago. And this is after I had my two children and Mm-kay. I hit rock bottom hard. Really? And I am begging my husband to be institutionalized because the suicide ideations are just 24-7. And I'm looking at my six-month-old baby and my two-year-old son. And I tell you what, there's nothing... To make you put on your big girl pants and say, I need help than staring at your children, playing on the ground, having these kind of destructive thoughts. Yeah. Because I knew as, as much as they felt like reality in my brain, staring at them, I knew I would never want them to feel that way. For sure. And that I would never call this truth, this thing that I'm feeling. Right. And so it was that summer was the last time I tried to get off medication ever again. Um, and I, after talking to a therapist that was very uh, on the holistic side of things and in general, you know, if you don't have to take medication, that's always better for our bodies sure. not to put medication if you don't need it. Yeah. Um, but she just, I remember her looking at me and saying, I have never seen someone do and do and do as much as you do. You know, you're trying to eat right. You exercise, yeah. you do all these things. I'm very involved with my higher power, all of these things. Yeah and not see the kind of progress we should be seeing and she said you are a specific case where i would say i think you might need to think about permanent medication long term Mm -hmm. and it's just crazy to me that i waited it was so hard to accept for so long and i'm so grateful i did and now i just i'm so sad that that was such a hard thing to accept because oh my goodness I'm so glad I take drugs now for it, right? <laughs> sure. I shouldn't say that to you. I know you're an, you're no, overcoming you're... a drug addiction, right? <laughs> I shouldn't be so flippant. <laughs> no, you're but, good. Yeah. No, I totally get you what you're saying. You understand what I'm saying 100%. there, though, yeah. um, where I just, oh, man, do I? Yeah, I totally take an antidepressant every day, and I totally still go to therapy for maintenance, and yeah. I totally am still susceptible to anxiety and depression for the rest of my life. And the fact that I'm okay with that, that I love myself, and can say that, that is the healing power that has come in my la- life over this last decade. That is the miracle. Yeah, that I'm here sitting that and saying it and actually feeling it and believing it. Right.
0: Well, I've heard it said too before. Like, you know, if you had something wrong with your kidneys and you needed to take medication, you wouldn't hesitate. Oh yeah, I'll take that. If that's going to help my kidneys and I don't lose my kidneys, it's like we're easy. We'll easily do that. But when it comes to our mental health, a lot of times we're like, oh whoa because there's that stigma around it. And I think we all kind of feel that way at times, right? So that's really, you know, uh, thanks for being so vulnerable about that and, and being open about that. Again, you even said it, we said it in your bio that you're not afraid to just be real and bold about what, what you're going through. So thank you for sharing that part about it because I think a lot of people are like, oh man, I don't even dare tell anyone I'm taking medication, let alone, you know, I don't want to be doing this kind of thing, so.
1: Yeah, I would just say that I would just, you're not asking for this advice, but I would offer no, it for please. people that are feeling that. I just think there's other places you could be spending your mental energy than worrying about whether or not you take medication. Right. And, and I, yeah. I just think that's a happier, more rich, fulfilling life. Um, That's not something you need to be stressed about, whether people know that you take meds.
0: Yeah. No, that's 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 great advice. I think that's wonderful. So how how, I mean, this has been recent, it mm-hmm. sounds like. How are things going for you now? I mean, you even said, like, this feels amazing, this and that. But talk about kind of maybe that transition to where you fully have accepted this.
1: Oh, I love my life. I'm so proud of my life. It reminds me of the country song, How Does It Go? I don't have a great voice, but it's like, it's the life you can hang your your hat on or something like that. You know what I'm (laughs) saying? I'm so proud of this rich life I've worked so hard for. I am absolutely, like we said, I'm still susceptible to it. Mm-hmm. No question. Yeah. But I think the thing that medication and therapy has done for me is it's like when I wasn't taking medication, it's like I'm in a house and there's a trap door and right. I can fall through the trap door and it closes and there's no hope and I've never been happy. That's what my brain is telling me. Yeah, And I look around and I don't see any light anywhere. But when I'm on medication, when I fall, I I hit the ground and it hurts. And I I feel all those feelings of, oh, I don't want to get Mm -hmm. out of bed today. I feel those things. But I can look around and see like, oh, there's light out the window. Yeah, Okay. Maybe maybe tomorrow could be better. I have that perspective. And so it doesn't mean that I... I'm not susceptible to bad days, and yeah, COVID has certainly done a mental trick on all of us in certain ways. I think,
0: yeah. but
1: I just am able to progress and develop, and I love my life. I started my podcast a little over two years ago called ICU. Yeah, uh, we're just we're coming to a, a close on season two soon here with the hundredth episode. Nice. And we just talk about compassion and connection truly saves lives. It saved mine, and I watched it happen you know, not from far away, but close up, right? very close up. And personally, because that's what happened to me is people were willing to be with me when I was at rock bottom and to give me that hope. And yes, that saved my life multiple times.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and yeah. And then I received a contract earlier this year uh, with a publishing company to write this book and it's a self-help leadership read and it felt very meaningful. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to share my heart with people. I can't always, I can't always, um, I certainly don't have a, a therapy degree or any, you know, a life coach certificate training, none of that. But at the very least I can say, here's this book. Here's, yeah. here's what I believe in. What I've come to find through, what I've been through yeah, some really sucky years that yeah. I've had to work really hard, um, towards, but I'm just so stinking happy with my life yeah, now. Yeah. And, and I'm it. proud of proud of that girl on yeah. the bathroom floor that was begging from, for healing from a higher power that, chose to get up and go play candy on with her kids and yeah man i'm proud of her
0: that's awesome thank you yeah why so you call the book's called i see you how compassion and connection saves lives you call your podcast i see you what does that mean what what do you mean by i see you why did you call it that
1: my friend that i met we met because we had the same therapist (laughs) (laughs)
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) That's always a good start to a relationship. Hey,
0: that's my therapist too. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: that's how we met. And um we met and we just clicked instantly. We've had some really similar experiences uh with depression and anxiety. And about a year after we first met at a park, uh, she gifted me a bracelet that said I see you on it. And she talked about Mm. and she had one too, and she talked about the meaning of that, just that like that we can send each other a text message and say, hey, this really triggered me today. Or, hey, I was at the store and this happened. You know, and we can just, it's like, I see you. Like, I got you. you, I know, I, I witness your life. And I love it in the movie Avatar. They even say that to each other. The people, the Navi, I talk about this a little in my introduction, but Uh the people on this planet of Pandora, that's kind of a greeting. It's like, I see you, like, I witness your life. I know you. And especially in a society where pre-COVID, I just saw this um, temptation to pull away from each other and to disconnect and to sometimes use technology as an excuse maybe to not fully engage. And yeah. I have, I, ser- I see the suffering because of that. I've experienced the suffering because of that. And I've experienced the flip side, what it means when someone touches me on the shoulder. Yeah. And someone looks at me in the eyes when they're talking to me like you are now. Right. And the impact that has on my heart and my ability to feel real like I'm here in this world and I'm not stuck up here in my brain. Yeah. That isn't always telling me real reality that that sometimes gets stuck in a place where i feel alone and that's what depression is is it's a very demanding mistress and it wants you alone where it's dark and you're not hearing other people's opinions or advice you just are alone with those thoughts but when we open up and we let people see us and we're open about our struggles and our and our joys right then all of a sudden we start to get more of a realistic perspective when instead of just keeping it all in our head and so with the yeah. book, there also is a bracelet that's come out um, that says, I see you on it. and It's for men and women. And yeah, you have, I, it right have it on right now. Yeah, it's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty funky, huh? Yeah, it's I cool. like it. Um, Very my cool. husband has one too. He's He hasn't always been like a, a man that wears bracelets or whatever, but I appreciate <laughs> He puts it on and I'm like, you see me. I, I see what I you're see doing you over there, there <laughs> buddy. Yeah, uh, but I hope that it can be a symbol of like, I'm a safe place. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm a safe person who who loves you no matter what and I'm someone you can talk to.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, you call it, uh, you know, how compassion and connection saves lives. When we're depressed, typically we isolate and then we think no one understands. So I get what you're saying there. Like, um, talk about why, why is connection so powerful in this? Whether it's with a higher power, whether it's with a friend, whether it's with you know, a therapist, or wh- why is that connection so critical in this?
1: Once again, I just come back to: I have learned through experience that you can make yourself believe anything. Mm-hmm. You can make yourself believe that the earth is flat, that pigs fly. Like, yeah, believe something long enough, and it feels like fact. Yeah, hate yourself for long enough, and it feels like it's true. Yeah, but connection. Is getting us out of that connection is is getting us social. We're really social creatures, right? right. Brene Brown, yeah. who I'm sure you know, and you sure. know she also. I yeah. sh- I should have another book that says Brene Brown also saves lives. Yeah, uh, she, right. <laughs> really impactful for me, especially the book The Gifts of Imperfection. That was mm-hmm. really good for me. She says we're hardwired for connection, and we are. We're meant to be. We're not supposed yeah, to do this right. alone. I had a therapist use this analogy with me, and it was really helpful once. She said, how did people do it in the olden days? How did they get through plagues and wars and bury their husbands together? You know, you think about yeah, World War II. You think about how in the world did they get through that? She said they got through it because they were all doing it. They, they did it together. They did it together. They yeah. did it together. They, they were burying sons and husbands, and they were doing all of this together. It, it was this this unifying thing. And she said, but what's happening now is we are suffering from isolation. Mm. And you see the crippling effects of that because you can get through anything. If you have other people to hang on, you can do some pretty powerful stuff. For sure, yeah. Pretty powerful stuff.
0: Absolutely. But
1: when we're by ourselves suffering and we're not connecting with others, that's when things start getting really dicey. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, you say you have a background in addiction. I'm -hmm. I'm sure you have your own experience with that because truth is truth. And that's a truth that I have come to know is we are not meant to be isolated from other people. We're meant to do this life together.
0: Yeah, I'll say this a lot to my clients, that connection's the opposite of addiction. Because it truly is, and I agree, we're hardwired to be connected with someone, and it sure does feel good when we know that, oh, kinda like what you are saying, I see you, I get you, I got your back. That feels amazing, even though you're struggling. Mm -hmm. It's like that, almost like a little bit of relief, like this person understands me, I'm not alone. And that's almost starts the healing process almost, right? Yeah. When you're in that dark place.
1: Well, because how can you really feel like you belong unless someone sees all of you? Right. Until you're transparent. Yeah. We all have these demons inside of what if they knew that, you know, what if they knew I struggled with pornography? What if they knew that I seek? I don't, I hate looking at myself in the mirror. What if they knew I wasn't so confident? What if my boss knew this? Yeah. But when we can be transparent with somebody. Yeah and accept their love, all of a sudden those voices don't really have a lot of power because you're proving it wrong. You're saying, oh, that wasn't reality actually.
0: Right. That wasn't
1: reality. And there will always be people, you know, I'm sure, you know, you've had that experience. There'll always be people that they don't want to be a part of that story and that's their choice. But I think it won't take too long before you find someone who does.
0: Right. So how is your podcast and, you know, your, your book that you've just now published and the things, you know, speaking and all this stuff that you're doing, how has that helped you? Like, how has giving back, so to speak, how has that helped you?
1: Oh, it's been incredibly healing. It's been incredibly healing. And I I keep coming back to addiction um, because the 12-step program, I love that the last step Mm -hmm. has to do with reaching out and helping others. Yeah. And I find that in my own healing of the more I speak truth and speak what's reality, the mm-hmm. less those voices have power in my head mm. because Love I hated that. myself for getting married and not having my husband understand what he was about to get into. I've hated myself for that, yeah. that I was the one interrogating him when he was going to have to be the one with me Yeah, saying, you know, maybe it's time to call a suicide hotline. Maybe like no one wants that for their spouse to put them in that position, to put yeah. them fill them with that kind of fear right and oh my gosh I totally just forgot the question what was the question
0: well just uh, now I forgot what I asked <laughs> <laughs> I
1: started going down one train and then I'm like eh. yeah Let me well
0: it. um God, what did I ask I'm trying just to think. give me a second oh how uh how helping others has has made a difference in an impact in impacting your you. life yeah yeah See, we, we mess up too, folks.
1: It happens. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Sometimes Julie just goes on a thing, and then she's like, "Whoa!" No, you were doing money.
0: great. I got lost in what you were saying.
1: <laughs> I. It turns out this is a conversation. That's what's great, right? Yeah. Detours. <laughs> no, but so so those voices still can have power, and they still creep up. They're not gone. But the more I reach out and speak the truth that I've found, the more Mm. those are the kind of voices that that, that's that's how I talk to myself in my head. Yeah. And the great news is when you develop that kind of self-compassion and love for yourself, you have this greater capacity to do that for other people, to practice what you preach. Sure. So I'm I'm better at seeing people now because I chose to do that for myself when everything in me hated myself, didn't want to be here, didn't want yeah. to do this thing anymore, and certainly didn't want to hurt my loved ones in the way that I felt like maybe I was hurt growing up. And yeah. um, it's I'm so grateful I made those choices. Once again, I'm so proud of that girl that peeled herself off the floor yeah, and did one thing one second at a time.
0: Yeah, we were both talking about Simon Sinek before we got on air here, and I've heard him say this several times where if you master the first 11 steps of AA... You'll drink again if you master step twelve. You'll never touch another drop, mm. and that's really what you're doing is you are just have dedicated your life to making a difference, and that's really why I I wanted you on here because of all this amazing stuff that you're doing. You're speaking, you've written a book, you do this podcast, you're reaching people who need to hear this message, and I know in my own recovery, if I if I wasn't helping others, man, I would I never would have changed my life because again. What better way to connect <laughs> when you're helping someone, right? Because yep. we need the connection.
1: Yep. And and you're speaking that truth. You're speaking what you know is true. Right. So those voices are kind of getting quieter and quieter in your head because you're like, oh, but that's not reality, actually, because yeah. I'm I'm living it. I'm living reality. Yeah. And I'm watching other people heal in the way I've been healed. Like the, it just is. Truth just is. Truth isn't emotional. It's not loaded. It just is. Yeah. And I exactly. want to live in truth.
0: I love that. That's beautiful. So, you know, you're doing all these great things, you're out there, and but what do you do? What does your day look like to kind of keep you centered? What are the things you do behind the scenes that no one knows about but you, that keeps you where you need to be, keeps you grounded? I know you're helping others, that's a part of it, but mm-hmm. what are you doing, what does your day look like?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's interesting. That has been a journey because, you know, I was so hyper-focused on not wanting my own mental health struggles to affect my family at all. Right. So I definitely have struggled with having a perfectionist attitude about mm-hmm. I get up at 5.30 every morning, I go to the gym for an hour, and then I come home and I I read uh, scriptures and religious material right. and I pray and meditate and those things. Like I had myself so structured that way. The hard thing about having the um, amount of structure that I've had is it's hard to keep up with that 24-7 because there, there are nights when the right thing feels like You know, to eat junk food with my husband and stay up watching a show. And that just, that's what I need. And that feels right. That's what our marriage needs. And so I am learning to be more flexible and to trust myself to know what I need. Because I miss, I mean, today I didn't get up and I didn't work out because I stayed up till 1 a.m. last night talking to a friend. And I really needed that. Yeah. And I'm learning to tell those voices in my head that oh, Julie, you didn't work out this morning, you're going to get depressed again, you're going to end up in the hole, and it's your fault. You have the responsibility yeah. to not let this affect your family. So my days, the last little bit, especially I mean, COVID's messed with all of us. Right. But I have been learning to trust myself and to let there be a day or two, a week when I probably won't work out and that's okay. Yeah. And you know what? I might drink an extra soda today, and that's okay too. Right. And that's that's not really as big in my head as I have made it's it's not uh, a life or death thing like I right. sometimes feel like it is in my head so it's right. a but it is a balance because I tell you what last week I am so involved with my kids I'm so I'm a really good mom I'm really present with my children I feel like yeah but it's easy for that self-care to start slipping and last week you know i had a couple days like that in the row where i'm just like i'm on the floor with my kids we just got a new dog so we're we're like you know getting him introduced and i'm playing with the kids and the dog and trying to help them you know be alpha over him and show him who's boss We're doing all (laughs) these things that are good yeah but i haven't exercised in four days and i'm eating brownies for all my meals and all of a sudden (laughs) I'm starting and I'm, I'm tired because I stayed up too late. And all of a sudden I'm feeling myself start to kind of spiral. Mm-hmm. And I have to start. So it is this balance all the time of yeah. yes, self-care. Yes, flexibility. Yeah. What does that look like? And it's taking a lot of mindfulness and a lot of trust. So on an average day, I find time to move my body and I find time to be quiet okay. and calm yeah. and to read and to meditate and to pray and... Most days I shower and I get ready for the day because it makes me feel good. There are days when I don't and that feels really good too. Sure. But I love the analogy. I had a professor um, and a mentor. His name is Brad Wilcox. And I love the analogy he gave me where he talked about this was my, my background. My degree is in elementary education. He was a sixth grade elementary teacher long before he had he has a much more um, in-the-spotlight life now as a right. writer and speaker. Yeah. But I remember him giving us the advice. He said, you know, I have all these different responsibilities, and he would name them off. He was a religious leader. He was a professor, grandfather, dad. He's he's written a children's book. He's also written a lot of adult books. Yeah. And he talked about how every single day I have all these balls that I'm juggling in the air, and I feel like every day I pray to know which ones can drop that day because they're never. I can never keep them all Can't in the air. Can't do them all, right. And I love that. Because, and, and I remember talking to a therapist about that and she's like, and I also love take the analogy a little further of which balls are made of rubber today and which ones are made of glass. Like mm-hmm. maybe today my marriage is made of glass, like we're hurting, we need some time together. So that's one that I'm not going to let drop today. Right. But maybe my podcast and, you know, these things, maybe I can reschedule that interview. And I know that that ball's going to bounce up. We're going to be all right. You know, we can yeah. work on it tomorrow. We're good. For sure. Um, I really appreciate that analogy and guide that that's been in my life as I try to balance being a super present, awesome mom who, of course, makes mistakes, but I sure love my kids a lot and I try to be there for them. Yeah. As well as my husband, my relationship with him. I also feel a great mission and drive to do what I'm doing, to develop myself, to help other people. Yeah. It's it's more complicated life than if I were to choose one or the other, but I'm not, I, I won't choose. I want both. I want yeah. it all. I want to be that kind of influence, both in my home and outside of my home. And so. I got to go with the juggling balls analogy yeah. every day yeah. and make those choices and be at peace with that. And for sure, that's okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you are a hard worker, right? Has that, I mean, I, you mentioned that even earlier that sometimes that gets in the way too. Cause you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Yep. And I think a lot of times it's that kind of like that all or nothing mentality, yep. like I've got to work hard today and then I'll be okay. Versus when you said, I'll, I'll, I'll meditate, I'll sit in the silence i'll i'll read scriptures whatever pray mm-hmm. all that stuff to help you just kind of go you know what i'm okay i don't need to work out to be okay all the time right so i love that you i love that you pointed that contrast out
1: yeah it makes me think of there's a part of my book i talk a lot about black and white thinking and the difference yeah. between overcome like overcoming black and white thinking and then thinking in color and then thinking in high definition yeah. and those have different different uh, points that go with it but yeah black and white thinking just feels so safe man it does it feels safe to just say i do x y and z and i get this result and this is how this works and if other people do X, they get this result but life is complex and it's beautiful and it's rich yeah and man i love thinking in color and in high definition and and just seeing the complicatedness in life and being at peace with it being able to hold more than one emotion at once yeah yes i need to exercise that really helps me feel mentally well and yes I need to spend this time with my husband. And so what do I do with that? Can I can I exercise tomorrow morning instead? Can I hold both? Does it have to be I either do this or I do, you know, I'm either an awesome mom or I'm an awesome speaker and writer. Or is there a way to do both to, to, to find a way to be creative? Right. And I think there most definitely is.
0: I love that. That's beautiful. I, I'm going to pose a question to you, and I pose this to a lot of my client, every client actually on at some point. But I'm curious on how you'll answer this. All the adversity you've been through, right? You've been through a lot, you know, from what you dealt with, you know, with your struggles with your dad and things like that. And, uh, and obviously what you've shared with us so far, I always say this adversity is the wake up call to your greatness. What do you think of that statement?
1: I love it. It reminds me of the statement that I often say, which is what makes you different makes you powerful. Mm. I wrote yeah. a children's book. A while back um, and that's not important but in it it's a fractured fairy tale about a princess who she has broccoli for hair and she just hates it so bad she has to <laughs> sleep in the fridge once the refrigerator once a week to keep it from wilting <laughs> she has to trim off the moldy ends and I used to take this and do assemblies with kids uh, to talk about self-acceptance yeah well in it she has her fairy godmother shows up and is like I'm so sick of you complaining about your hair if you really want yeah. normal princess hair I'll do it. I just want you to take a day to think about it. Well, within that day, she comes across uh, a homeless man on the side of the road. And she's looking for food in her satchel to give him. She doesn't find food, but she finds a pair of scissors. And she just cuts off some of her broccoli from her hair. And she gives it to him. And that night when her fairy godmother shows up 24 hours later, the fairy godmother is like, do you want to get rid of your hair? And she just stops, And she's like, no, mm. because I saw how what makes me different is helping someone else and so I'm actually gonna choose to keep it. Right. And it's interesting because I was speaking to my, I was talking to my best friend about this and I just stopped, you know, and I talked to you know probably a thousand kids at this point about this idea and shared this story. And I said to her, I just stopped and I got teary and I said, I just realized something. And she said, what? And I said, this story I wrote, which I actually wrote in college when I was 19, and it kind of transformed into something else later. I wrote it for a children's literature assignment. Yeah. I wrote it because I made up this story. On my first date with my husband, we said, tell me a story, and I made up this crazy story. <laughs> and then I was like, well, that went over well, so I guess I'll submit it for my children's lit assignment. And then, you know, my my yeah. 26th birthday, whatever, he gets it illustrated. It's the weirdest story how this story came about. Right. And it was long before I struggled with depression and anxiety. Mm. But I just stopped and I'm like, this isn't a story about a princess with broccoli prayer. like. This is my story. This is my story of hating myself for this thing about myself. I could not get control of. I felt like, but look what has happened in my life and give me the capacity to see other people, which is the greatest honor I could ever have is to be a safe place for someone else. That's on the bathroom floor. If I could be that glimmer of hope for them, like for sure I don't know that I would trade that for anything. Can I sit here and say, I'm so grateful it happened? I don't know if I'm quite to that humble place yet. Like, this is a pretty crappy decade in a lot of ways. Yeah. But man, it's a beautiful view from here. For sure. And um, I'm, I, I, when I started putting that into action in my own life, what makes you different, makes you powerful. Yeah. Holy cow, did miracles start unfolding when I started, okay, I'm not going to be healed in the way I wanted to. Right but the healing that i've had in going from hating myself for this and loving myself and feeling so much light surround this trial i've had that's a miracle yeah. that's that's as miraculous as anything else
0: yeah i love it very very great way to answer that question and because i do believe when i sit there and listen to your story from the time you were 3 when things started to you know go the way they went look at what you're doing now all this amazing stuff and being an impact and a light to other people none of that would be possible had you not gone through all of that Mm -mm. so i really do believe along with what you said it's it's the wake-up call to the greatness that's within us and when we finally just wake up to that like you said it's like these miracles just start unfolding and life just becomes this amazing thing and and you may not be fully there yet, but you will get to that point where you'll be like, I am so grateful that I struggle with this. <laughs> you know, it's hard to say. It kind of seems weird to say that. Yeah. But I say this also, I'll say, it's your superpower.
1: I say that too. Do you yeah, see? We're,
0: so we're on the same <laughs> yes. la- wavelength here. Because it's truth. It's the 100% truth. Yep, Truth you know?
1: is truth. And, and I think that people that seek for truth mm-hmm. for long enough, we all come to the same place. Right. Because it just is. It just is truth. We see these same patterns. You know, you read books about different people that have overcome adversity and they keep searching and searching and searching to find their purpose and mission. And we all come to similar patterns and answers. And there's something really cool about that. If we learn that from each other, it's pretty amazing. Maybe I can say I'm grateful for it. As long as grateful doesn't mean I have to do it again.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Right? There'll be other things you're gonna have to do, right? (laughs) Yeah. No, I no, I hear you for sure. You know, if there's someone listening to this right now who is just struggling, and I really believe, I have a lot of listeners who are struggling, and they just maybe are going through similar things you've been going through, or they're just feeling hopeless and disconnected from people or whatever it may be. What advice, I mean, you've given a lot already, but if you could specifically talk to this one person right now who needs to hear something, what would you tell them?
1: Hmm. I get choked up just thinking about that. Um, I first want to say, I see you. I see you mm-hmm. on your your bathroom floor, and I see you working so hard to keep it together, um, but needing, needing more. And I would just say, I love you. I don't know you, but I see you, and I feel that love for you right now. Wow. And... Maybe it's okay to let someone else take the reins for a little bit. Maybe you're really tired and it's a really good idea to reach out to a few people that you can trust and let them help you function for a little bit till you're back on your feet. Um, You would do that for them. Let them do that for you. Maybe it's okay when you're tired to let someone else help you steer for a little bit. Someone else take a hand too and give you some doable tasks right now. like setting up a time with a counselor, like deleting that social media account if that's what it takes, Yeah. like breaking your stupid phone against the cement if you just can't get over this addiction, whatever it is, it's totally okay that you're worth it. You are worth any measure you need to go to to stay here, to stay in your body and to live a fuller, happier, richer life than you can possibly imagine right now because if you're like me when I was in that place I mean this can just feel like blowing smoke to you but it's real yeah. I would never claim to say I know exactly what you're going through but I will say that I have known deep suffering and I will not back away from that and I will not yeah. let anyone tell me that I haven't
0: yeah
1: I have I, ha- I have been to hell and back in my my own personal hell mm-hmm. And there is a way back from it and that your life will be more full of light than you can imagine if you can hang on and take those steps one day at a time and it's worth it and you're worth it and just good, good miracles are ahead.
0: I love that. That's beautifully said. Um, Julie, I I just, as I don't know how else to say you're choking me up. I'm just sitting there listening to this because I, I, I think there are, someone that just heard that message that they needed to hear that today. I really believe that. And Me I know I, I'm not even trying to be dramatic or anything. I th- I really believe that people, when they hear these things, whether they're listening to my podcast or your podcast or they're reading your book, that words save lives, you know, and, and adding on to the connection and compassion that you've talked you talk so much about. And I can feel the compassion in your voice. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's true. It just is. It just is, and it always will be, and we're all in this together. The race has never been against each other. It never has been, but sometimes it feels that way, and I think it's so Yeah, I can feel that way sometimes, yeah. Yeah. The race has never been against each other. We all are in our own lane. We're all going to the same place. Uh, We just got to help each other out. There's no room for trying to veer into other people's lanes. There's just... yeah. There's enough. There is no hard edge to compassion. You can never have too much compassion. If it feels like too much compassion, I think it's turned into something else.
0: Yeah, I think I heard it once. Compassion is undefeated. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, it just is. Like you it said, just, it wins. It, just, it wins it every time. It always wins. Yes. Uh, well, if if someone wanted to reach out to you and ask you a question, if they want to, how can they find your book? How you know? Where's your podcast located? tell us how they could all how they can do that
1: yeah so my book I mean it's on Amazon it's on my publishers website which is cedarfort.com but you can find all of those links in my in one place which is my website which is julilespeaks.com okay julilespeaks.com and also you can find my bracelet there as well. Uh, And my podcast is there. My podcast is on, you know, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. I think it's everywhere. I don't know, everywhere that I know about. (laughs) But you I'm sure it is. But my website is a good one stop for just everything that I'm doing. Of course, you know, I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Julie Lee Speak without the S because the other one I don't know. They wouldn't let me have the other one. I don't know. But um yeah, I am I am so happy to share my message and to help however I can. uh, and, and I hope that that one person does hear that today. And I just, it's true. Yeah. And you're, you're the one meant to hear That's, that's the beautiful thing is yeah. I don't know who you are, but someone much bigger than me does. And that's what they would have, you know, right now.
0: Right. No, that's beautiful. So do you have any upcoming events you want to share with us? And like, what's, what's next on the horizon for you?
1: Well, wow, I am really <laughs> excited because I am, um, Looking towards another writing project, right. and I am coming to the close of season two of my podcast, and I'll probably be taking a little bit of a break and seeing what's next for me. I have yeah. a real passion for for being with people in real life, yeah. and that's really hard right now. <laughs> right.
0: I know, isn't it? It's like <laughs> it's really hard. So yeah. this is
1: so great to be in the same room and I just, know, you know, a few feet away, the way we can do this. Yeah, uh, but. As far as events and things like that, there's nothing scheduled right now except for, you know, I keep being asked to do these interviews and things, but a lot of things got canceled a yeah. lot, but yeah. um, that's the next step. That's the next project is despite COVID, how do we creatively see people? And that's why I am so grateful for the book yeah. uh, and the bracelet and the podcast, these things that are there that I can at least extend to others except I got to keep giving it away for free I'm just never going to make money in life is the problem because (laughs) because I think I think that I had help writing this book and I think everybody should read it maybe every author feels that way but I just like you know I just see people I'm like wear the bracelet read the book it's okay like I'll just put it in the hole of my business account where I never make anything it's fine but well
0: we were talking off air about Paul Cardall and just how he's just a cool dude he is a cool you're, dude. You're it just sounds like. you're just a cool dude. Thanks. And I think that's what it comes down to. You you're doing this for the right reasons. Yeah. And the more if it means giving away a bunch of stuff because yeah. it's going to get the message to more people, that's where your heart is and I love that. That's yeah. so inspiring actually. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I and I know I know I've had a lot of mentors say to me, you know, like you do need to charge to speak because you will you will impact a larger amount of people when you start charging that's just how it works sure and so certainly i hope that's in my future and i can buy a few more frozen costco meals for my family (laughs) so that i can like balance all this and have time to you know maybe one day i I can pay someone to clean my toilets or something i don't know because i also like kind of need my house (laughs) neat. i'm also kind of a neat freak so that's a problem (laughs) when you're trying to do so many things right working out of that perfectionism but um i i stand by my life and my choices and i love i love what i'm doing and i think there's Big exciting things ahead. I don't mm-hmm. know exactly what that means, but I'm pretty pumped for the ride.
0: Yeah. Well, you're you're the perfect example of of this. Is that if you own if you don't own your story, it owns you. You definitely own your story. Yeah. And you you said that the whole time through this, and I love that about you. You're real. You're authentic and and inspiring. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I'm
1: bad at a lot of things, but there's a few things in here. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty real.
0: <laughs> oh, you are. And I love <laughs> that about you. you. Well, um, so it's julieleespeaks.com. Mm-hmm. It's a one-stop shop. You can go get everything from there. You can find out f- with her book, her podcast. yeah. And um, so I thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to come sit with me. And and uh, it really is my honor to have you on today. It yeah. really is.
1: Thank you for letting me in this this beautiful, miraculous room that just feels so good. Thanks um, for letting me be here.
0: Thank you. Well, there you go, listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Julie Lee's an amazing person. You're amazing. And uh, I want to thank you for always tuning in. Please share this with someone you know that might be struggling. If you're struggling, p- please reach out to Julie. Uh, as you can tell, she's an open book and she'll answer any of your questions and she will help you and guide you any way that she can uh, that's possible for her. And, but I love you guys. And again, thanks to my sponsor and veracity Networks and also Paul Cardall. Thank you for the music. and Thank you guys and until next time. Thanks again, Julie.